Welcome to Transform Your Life. I am Deborah Demander, and I am so glad you're here today for this episode on loving yourself and letting it all go. I don't know if that's really the title or not, but that's what I'm calling it for right now. We are coming up on a full moon. Um, As I'm recording this, we're about two days away from a full moon in the sign of Virgo. And a Virgo full moon, the sign of Virgo, I love the Virgos in my life. Virgo is an earth sign. It's very stable and grounded. And Virgos tend to be very detail-oriented, which I'm selectively detail-oriented. I pay attention to the details that matter. Virgos pay attention to every detail. They also tend to be perfectionists. They like to do things exactly the right way. They are very hard on themselves. Um, Virgos expect everyone to be doing their best, and they especially expect themselves to be doing their best all the time. Whether they're exhausted or out of energy or out of money, Virgos are still going to do their very damn best. And I just, I love, I have a lot of Virgos in my life. Some of you know who you are, actually. (laughs) A lot of people listening to this podcast who are Virgos, you know I love you. (laughs) Because Virgos keep me on task, and I appreciate that. Virgo is also the sign of service. So if you need help, ask someone who is a Virgo. So anybody with a birthday uh, from August the 20, I want to say August the 21st to September the 20th, those, I think those are the dates right around then. Those are the dates for the Virgo season. So if you know somebody born between August 21st and September 20th, right about, you know a Virgo. And if you need help, you can ask a Virgo to give you a hand and they will give you nothing short of the shirt off their back. Virgos are just wonderful people in that respect. Um, you know, and like all signs, they can be a little nitpicky. They, we all have our, we all have our, um, our dark side. Every sign has a dark side. I think I'm going to do a, a blog about that. Maybe a podcast. I don't know. About the light and dark of signs. Anyway, so we're coming up on a Virgo full moon. And what that means for you, whether or not you are a Virgo, whether or not your, your moon is in Virgo. So the, the moment we're all born, the, the moment that each one of us is born, the moon, the sun, all of the planets... All of the um, constellations are in an exact spot the moment of your birth. So the moon is in a sign when you're born, just like the sun is, so that's your moon sign. The rising sign is also an important aspect of your personality, and that is the sign that is rising on the eastern horizon at the exact time and place of your birth. So those three, the sun, the moon, and the rising sign, make up your personal triad, your personality. So whether or not you have any planets in Virgo, whether or not you have a Virgo moon or Virgo sun, you will be impacted by the moon, by the full moon being in Virgo. A full moon offers us, I'm really getting off topic here, but I guess this is the topic. (laughs) I guess if I'm talking about it, then that's the topic. Um, So I'll talk about this and then I'll pull it into what it means for for each of us. So the full moon is an opportunity to release something. 
imagine, um, so the new moon, when it's dark, when there's a dark moon or no moon, that's the time we plant seeds. And the Farmer's Almanac always suggests the planting of the seeds happens during the dark moon. Um, the fertile void is what it's also called. Then during the full moon is when we go out and pull the weeds. We pull out the stuff that is no longer serving us or doesn't, um, doesn't nurture the seeds that we've planted. So when we're talking about astrology and we're talking about lunar energy, the seeds we plant typically have to do with aspects of our personality that we want to improve or um, focus on. And the full moon offers an opportunity for us to look at our lives and look at things that might not be working for us, look at things that aren't serving us. When I was, I was writing a blog about the upcoming full moon, and I did a little blurb for each of the signs. And for my particular, my sun sign is Gemini. So one of the things uh, that I was reading was it's a good time to declutter and let go of all of the stuff, the clutter in your life that's, that's kind of blocking energy. And you know, I'm sitting in my studio also known as my closet, and it is full of crap. It's not crap. It's full of clothes that I love. And one thing I like about my closet and my clothes is that they are organized in order of color. Um, red, orange, yellow, green, blue, indigo, violet, and then black is at the end. White is at the beginning. So it starts with white and then goes through the rainbow colors. White to pink to red to orange to yellow. Anyway, but I'm also noticing it's very full of clothes. And some of the clothes I have in my closet, I really have an emotional attachment to, which is weird because it's just clothes. But they represent times in my life or people in my life or events in my life. And it's hard for me to let that go. Some of this stuff doesn't even fit me. Some of it's way too big, some of it's way too small, some of it um, just <laughs> is for someone much younger than I am. <laughs> so, you know, at some point we have to be realistic about the things we collect in our lives. But I digress. I wanted to talk today about, so if you're interested in how the full moon will, uh, kind of what the energy is for your particular sign, I did sun sign and rising sign, so if you happen to know your rising sign, you can take a look at that blog and just get a little idea of what areas of your life might be up for um, weeding. So the other area of my life, my rising sign is Libra, and it um, is a time for me to slow down and reevaluate some of my health objectives. I have a tendency, um, some of my friends know, and give me crap about it, sometimes I forget to eat, I get busy, and actually this afternoon, before I started recording, I realized, aside from a pancake this morning, I haven't really eaten today, I've, um, I've just been busy running around, so I started dinner in the oven kind of early in the afternoon, or I mean, it's like 4.30 when I started dinner, and I figure by the time I'm done with my podcast, I'll get some actual nourishment in my body. <laughs> so for me, the full moon is a time to let go of all of those. Since I'm releasing what doesn't serve me, it does not serve me to 
run around all day and then realize several hours later that I haven't eaten and I'm feeling a little bit cranky and lightheaded. Maybe it would serve me better to actually eat regularly during the day. It's not that I have a real hang up about eating. It's just that I, I actually just forget. I get busy doing things and I forget. But it doesn't serve me um, health-wise to do that. Because now when it's time for me to eat pot roast and vegetables, because I have leftovers, uh, <laughs> I'm going to be tempted to eat a lot. So I will have to be mindful not to uh, get too full in the evening. Anyway, we're talking this week about about how we take care of ourselves. And those false body ideas that we that we get. I was uh, having coffee with a dear friend today and I was telling her about someone that I follow on Instagram who does yoga. And this woman is um, a large woman. She's heavy. And I think she calls herself fat. I wouldn't certainly use that word to describe people. I don't think it's kind. But she calls herself fat. The name of her um, yoga practice is Underbelly, U-N-D-E-R, Underbelly Yoga. And she is often doing yoga on Instagram in a sports bra and panties. And she will say things like, okay, we have to lift our belly here so that we can lean forward. She really wants people to feel comfortable in their skin. And she, I think I saw on Instagram that she has a, um, what's it called, fans only she might have fans only or Patreon or maybe she does both. I don't know where she does nude yoga. And she said it's so that people can see large bodies that um, that are moving and that are doing yoga, that it's not all. <laughs> and these are her words. It's not all a bunch of skinny white women. <clears throat> and really, the skinny white women are the ones who seem to have taken over the yoga industry. But the truth is that it's not everyone. It's not indicative of everyone who wants to practice yoga and feel better. And I was I was telling my friend about this page and I was saying to her, I wish I had the body confidence to to do something like that. Not that I would. I mean, you know, those of you who know me know I had my little um, I dabbled in my little uh alter ego business and that was entertaining. And that was also several years ago when I was much younger. Well, 5 years younger maybe. I was guess I was in my late 40s then so yeah it's been about five years and that was entertaining and it was fun and the one thing that did for me was that it helped my perception of myself I have always had um, I, I hate to say low self-esteem but I guess that would be honest I hate being honest it's hard <laughs> no I hate being vulnerable that's it. I like being honest. I like, I, I, I can't really lie. I don't lie well, so I'm truthful, but I don't like to be vulnerable. So for me to tell you that it's, it's been a struggle in my life to accept my size and my shape and my form. It's been a real challenge to like myself. And I wonder how many of you, men and women, have that challenge in life. I think for women, our challenge is more about 
how we look and how other people perceive us. For men, I think the challenge might be more, and please, um, my gentlemen listeners, my friends, correct me if I'm wrong and maybe, uh, you know, send me an email, send me a, a messenger, a message, text, whatever, a comment on the blog, and let me know what, what are the challenges to your esteem. I think my um, limited knowledge in the male psyche, just from the men that I've spent time around, is that their their identity, more than how they look, is tied up in what they're worth, what they do. Um, kind of like how their family looks, how their car and their house and their job look. Really, their identity is connected to their job and what they do. And for all of us, we, as we get older, we have an identity crisis. And for a lot of us, that's true when we're young, too. We just, we're not comfortable doing what we're doing. And we're not comfortable being who we are. And sometimes we don't even know who we are. I recently um, was with a friend and she said, well, I don't remember what we were going to eat. We were going to eat something. And she said, well, what do you like? And I said, I don't know. Because I don't know. (laughs) I usually eat, I buy groceries based on what the people in my household like. I don't usually buy food that I like because I will eat it all. I don't have much self-control. I don't usually watch shows on TV because... I don't really care about TV, so when the TV is on in my house, I'm usually also doing something else, like reading or knitting or whatever mindless task, making dinner, doing the dishes. I mean, I have a million things that I can be doing that don't include watching TV. So for me to sit down and watch a program is very difficult. And I recently, (laughs) I recently, I had a couple of free hours in the afternoon. I didn't have any, I didn't have any writing to get caught up. I didn't have any massages scheduled. I didn't have any yoga classes to teach. And I thought, oh, I could, I could just sit down and watch TV if I wanted. And first I felt really guilty. I have a, I have a really strong, um, inner critic that tells me I need to be productive during all waking hours. If I'm awake, I need to be doing something useful. So I had to first tell that girl to quiet down and take a seat. And then I sat down and got myself a cup of hot tea and I got the remote and I thought, well, what am I going to watch? And I honestly did not know what to watch. My go-to for many years has been The Office. I've probably seen every season of The Office, I don't know, at least six times. My younger kids and I used to sit down for dinner and we would watch probably four episodes on a school night. (laughs) And on the weekends, they'd come climb on my bed and we'd lay in my bed and watch office episodes. But it was just fun. It was fun for us. And that didn't really resonate the other day. I wanted, I I really struggled. I finally found something. Um, It was trashy TV, but it was entertaining. And I, I felt so guilty just sitting there enjoying watching a show. I felt really guilty. So how does that show up in your life? What I mean is, where are the areas in your life where you're constantly criticizing and critiquing yourself? I think most of us, men and women, have 
that inner voice, that, that continual critic. And if that's not true for you, please let me know. I think most of the people that I talk to in my life, men and women, have, because I have man friends, I have woman friends, and I have a few good friends that I can actually talk about you know, big things with, like, you know, how we treat ourselves and how we think of ourselves and life and all the things, whether we deserve to be happy, you know, those kinds of topics. But what I'm wondering is, what does your inner critic tell you? My inner critic tells me that I um, shouldn't eat so much. She tells me that I need to exercise more. I actually, today is the first day in uh, probably 10 days that I didn't, did I exercise at all today? No, I don't think I did. This morning I got busy straight away when when I first got up. So my inner critic is jumping up and down trying to get my attention that I need to um, get some weights and work out. But you know what? My shoulders are killing me. Getting back to teaching yoga, getting back to doing massages and working out has been um, challenging because I went from doing five massages a day, five days a week, to doing, um, I might do one a day if I'm lucky, hopefully, as I'm rebuilding my business. And it's, um, you know, my shoulders are out of shape. I'm, I get tired. <laughs> and my inner critic, she is a slave driver. She wants me busy every, like I said, every waking hour, I need to be doing something useful. And I struggle with just relaxing. I went and visited my brother uh, the last time I visited, I guess was over Labor Day weekend maybe. And he's up in Northern California and I got to just hang out. And it was so nice. But I felt so guilty, like I should be doing something. I should be, um, well, I went and fed the chickens, and I looked for eggs, and I did some yoga in the driveway in the sunshine, but I need to be doing something. I can't just be. It's really hard for me to just stop and relax and just be. And I'm wondering how that is for you. How does that show up in your life? How does the inner critic um, come after you? So my inner critic, I guess what she wants is for me to prove my worth, prove that I am worthy of being here. I am worthy of this life that I have. I am worthy of, you know, the space that I take up in the air that I breathe on the planet. So my inner critic wants me to prove to her that I am indeed worthy of all of these things. And if I've eaten too much, well, then I'm unworthy. If I've, um, you know, sat and read my book for too long in the sunshine, mm, strike, strike two, Deborah. If I didn't get my blog written, or I didn't get my yoga video recorded, or I didn't get the, I didn't get the trash taken out today. It's kind of weighing in the back of my mind. Now it's almost dark and I hate going out in the dark. It's cold and rainy still, and I don't want to go out and take the trash out. So my inner critic is, um, you know, niggling in the back of my brain that you have these tasks that have yet to be completed before you go to bed. 
I'm curious what your inner critic, what stories he tells you or what stories she tells you. I had a good friend once and he called his, um, I guess his inner critic, he called him Dr. Jones. And whenever he would um, be uncharacteristically unkind or he would go off, you know, with his mental machinations, he would, when he came out of it, when he came out of the downward spiral, he would say, oh, I'm sorry, Dr. Jones got the better of me. And I understood exactly what that meant. Um, I called my inner voice Ugly Betty for a long time because she's she is ugly. She's mean. And she doesn't cut me any slack. She's never nice to me. So my little inner voice, I, I refer to her as Ugly Betty because she is very ugly. She's very mean. I have um, in recent years, well, not even in recent years. How about maybe the last six months? Maybe the last year. I have started to talk back to her, which feels funny. I mean, it feels funny to say that out loud. But when I say, oh, Deborah, what's wrong with you? Oh, Deborah, why did you do that? Oh, Deborah, why haven't you done this? Why did you do that? Why haven't you, whatever, whatever that voice, Ugly Betty says, I say, hold on now. You don't have to be so mean. You're doing just fine. And <laughs> that's like my nice aunt voice or my nice grandma voice or whatever. <laughs> My, um, I used to call it my, my um, adult voice, my adult yoga voice. And it would drive my kids crazy when I would pull out that adult yoga voice because I would speak very calmly and very matter-of-factly. So I use that adult yoga voice sometimes on Ugly Betty. And I say, now, there's no need to talk like that. I am getting done as much as I can get done today. I don't need to run myself ragged. Or today I said, listen, Betty, it's okay for me to sit down for a few minutes. I've been busy all day. Betty doesn't like it when I talk back. <laughs> so lest you think that I walk around talking to myself all day, although mm, I guess I kind of do. <laughs> my friend <laughs> was staying with one of my friends, helping her get packed to move, and I was walking around she was packing her bedroom and all of the things in there I was packing like the kitchen and I was talking to myself as I was packing just I had I think I had headphones in and I was you know as I was taking down the dishes and wrapping them up I was just talking and she came in and she said who are you talking to and I said me and she said yeah you and I said no I'm talking to myself I'm talking to me and she's like you're so weird do you ever stop talking Mm, no, I don't think I ever stop talking. <laughs> I'm loath to admit, but no. And I realize that you aren't all quite as talkative as I am. But what I want to get back to is how, how do you talk to yourself? How do you think of yourself? Because at the end of the day, I want you to realize that you're doing just fine right where you are during doing whatever it is that you're doing you're doing okay you're doing great stop beating yourself up so much you're doing just fine so you didn't drink enough water today that's okay go drink a glass now if you want so you didn't have the perfect diet today okay is one off day gonna 
throw you into a, a panic for the rest of the week? No, you don't have to treat yourself like that. So you didn't work out. So you didn't get the snow shoveled. Is it the end of the world? Now, if there's a pattern of not meeting yourself halfway, if there's a pattern of continually letting yourself down and not doing what you said you were going to do, that's a different story. But I don't think most of us are like that. I think most of us set really high expectations of ourselves and our behavior and our how we show up in the world. And then I think most of us are really hard on ourselves when we don't live up to those false expectations. How about just for today? If you let yourself be okay. How about if you decide, maybe if you can't do it for the whole day, maybe for the next, I don't know, couple of hours, could you make space to tell yourself that you're doing a good job? Could you make space to tell yourself that you don't have to try so hard? Could you make space to tell negative Nancy or ugly Betty or Debbie Downer, <laughs> whatever, uh, um, Dr. Jones, mean Uncle Bob, whatever the name is of that mean voice in your head. Could you take a minute and just say, please stop. Please stop harassing me all the time. I'm doing just fine. Because that's the truth. There is nothing wrong with you. You're okay. You're better than okay, honestly. But I know that we have trouble hearing that. We have trouble owning that. So how about if you could own the fact that there's nothing wrong with you? There's nothing wrong with what you weigh. There's nothing wrong with how much money is in your bank account. There is nothing wrong with how you're parenting. There is nothing wrong with how you're showing up for your friends. There is nothing wrong with how you're showing up for God. <laughs> God loves you just the way you are. The God, the universe, goddess. I don't want to trigger anybody with religious words or religious thinking. But the higher energy of universal love loves you right where you're at. God doesn't love you if you lose five pounds. God doesn't love you if you have a savings account with four months worth of expenses in it. God doesn't love you if you stop swearing. God loves you regardless of whether you're swearing or not. Your friends, they might judge you if you throw the F-bomb down a lot. Maybe they don't. Maybe they don't care. Probably they don't really care. Maybe they know it's just who you are. Here's the thing. You are deeply and completely loved exactly the way you are. There's nothing wrong with you. It's okay for you to own and accept and embrace that. And it's okay for you to remind yourself that you're doing just fine. 
So thank you for being here today. Remember that I love you, your friends love you, your family loves you. Doesn't matter how you show up. What's important is that you find a way to love yourself because you are already deeply and completely loved exactly the way you are. Namaste, my friends. Thank you for being here, and I will visit with you next week.